Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Okay, so uh, we prayed for the elections before, and I don't know if you've seen on the way here, um, on the way to the service this morning, maybe who came up Nangara Road? Who drives up Nangara Road? Okay, some people. Um, maybe you've come from the back end. Have you noticed lots of signs on the road? <laughs> all across Australia, I'm seeing them pop up everywhere, we, especially about all these elections. See all these, these elections happening all across the different electorates, all across Australia. Uh, Phoebe, can you show us? Uh, I think I've got a couple of those. Look at that. Look at all these signs. It is so confusing. What do I do? Next one, please. So you're going to vote United Australia, you're going to vote Labor, you're going to vote for ScoMo again, you know, how are you going to vote? There is so much noise and direction around the place at the moment, vying for your attention and for your vote. Off the elections, all you've got to do is turn your news articles on, uh, 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 your news on your phone or your feed, on Facebook there is people vying for your attention, vying for your eyeballs, that's what the fight is for, your eyeballs. Did you know that? People pay good money to try and customise their internet platforms so they can keep your attention. That's what's happening. All around the world, um, different news stations are trying to give you their narrative, trying to explain something to you to get that story. Who do I believe? Well, uh, 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 I, I, I don't know who to trust anymore. I don't know whether I'm supposed to listen to Channel 7 or whether I'm to watch YouTube or whether it's BitChute or whether it's, uh, 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 what's the other one called? Twitter, Facebook, TweetFace, Snapchat. Chris Elsie, are you on Snapchat? Instagram. They're all, I mean, who do you believe? Who's news or who do you trust? I um, can't help myself. There's a, there, there, there's a court case going on in the world at the moment. <laughs> I'm going with this, right? You, you, the old Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trials. Um, how about these two? Look at these. Hollywood couple. Look at the glam. But what, what's happening now is they're actually in court, right? They're in court and... Um, uh, I, 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 um, I've been fascinated by watching what's going on and I can't help but form an opinion based on what I'm seeing in court. Now, in court, what you've got is you've got two people with differing opinions on what the facts are. This is What's being playing out in the court system over in the States for all the world to see airing all their dirty laundry, and I'll tell you what, there's some pretty dirty laundry going on, <laughs> literally. Like, it is absolutely incredible how this has gripped the world. And so many people just want to, I, I just want to know what to believe. And you've got lawyers presenting cases, presenting witnesses, audio, hearing witnesses, some eyewitnesses. People are... Um, trying to convince, lawyers are trying to convince the world on what to believe. We come to a, a passage of the Bible, a portion of the Bible, called the Gospel of John, 
And John is trying to convince us of some things. This is exactly what's happening. The world that we live in, there are people constantly trying to convince us of um, atheism, Buddhism, Taoism, Shintoism, Baha'i, Jedi, whatever it might be. But here we have John in this amazing gospel. This is, in my opinion, a literary masterpiece. This disciple in whom Jesus loved, he self-proclaims that. He writes it in his book. He talks about himself, the third person, the one whom Jesus loved. That's him. Oh, that's me. He had a revelation of the love of Jesus toward him. He presents this incredible document, this incredible letter... And he is trying to convince us of who Jesus is. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And today I'm going to, because we're doing a bit of a Bible study, I might use some technical terms. So, you know, just come with me on the journey. And you have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Matthew, Mark and Luke are what we call the synoptic Gospels. There's a lot of similarities, or they see together. There there is many recurrences of parables that you'll see. All of them recount Jesus from being born or from a young age. You will see um, not just the birth or or, or Jesus growing up in there. You'll see the Passover mentioned in all all three. You will um, not see a lot of those things, though, in John's Gospel. It's kind of a bit of a standalone So it's not one of the synoptic Gospels. It has a different kind of intention and emphasis. And this is why when we say, who is Jesus? John presents Jesus not just as what he did or said, like the synoptics. John, as he he kind of uncovers and explores this, we call it a historical narrative, tries to convince us that Jesus is God. So even from John chapter 1, we don't see John go back and talk about when Jesus was born. He goes and talks, he says, uh, in the beginning, time in John chapter 1, and this whole chapter, we call it a prologue, this whole chapter sets up the rest of the gospel. It's really quite remarkable. So, in, um, in John, why does he write it? not just to tell us who Jesus is and and, and specifically that Jesus is God or that he's divine or that he's the deity. His intention is so that we may believe that he is. So John's Gospel uh, talks about love some 80 odd times, around about 80 times, talking about the love of God. But do you know, he talks about believing about 100 times. So truth is so incredibly important to John. He's trying to convince us, almost like in a courtroom, to convince us that Jesus is God. He brings in some eyewitnesses. In fact, the first chapter of John, he brings in four witnesses, he mentions, just in the very first chapter of Jesus and Jesus being God. He also um, he, he includes what Jesus says of himself. He says these seven I am statements. I am. Remember the I am statements. Here are some of the I am statements. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. 
I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the vine. Jesus says, I am. Now to us, it's just a statement of I am. But to the audience that Jesus was talking, the audience that Jesus was talking to and John was trying to reach, they knew what Jesus was saying. I am. Where have you heard that I am, that I am before? In the Old Testament, remember? In the Old Testament, God says to Moses, I am. I am that I am. And so what we're going to see throughout this week and the next week and the week after these I am statements, Jesus is not just declaring, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. He's saying, I am God. That's a statement about himself. So pay attention to these I am statements. Let's go to uh, John chapter 20 and verse uh, 31. It says, these are written... All of, all of these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one from God, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John is, John is saying this, I'm writing this whole gospel, this whole good news so that you may believe, or the New Living Translation, can you get the New Living Translation up there please Phoebe? Actually the New Living Translation which captures what we call, it's, it's a dynamic equivalence, a thought for thought, that the intention of the writer is saying, so that you may continue to believe. New Living Translation, Phoebe, have you got it? Who's got New Living Translation? You can tell me that I'm telling the truth here. Does it say that? Give me a thumbs up if I'm telling the truth. New Living Translation, verse 31. Or get it on the screens. Who's got New Living Translation? Anyone? Hang on, wait, 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 wait. You can yell at your husband at home. Yell at me now. Uh, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That you may continue to believe. Okay, so it's not just a document that is intended to tell Christians, oh, we got it, right after, right after you read it out. So it's not just an evangelistic document to get people to be saved to believe. It's also that we would continue to believe. So this is a gospel for us as believers. We've got to continue to believe. We've got to continue to trust in Him. It's, the gospel is not just a ticket into heaven that gets us there and we're done with the gospel. The gospel is the power of God under salvation. It changes us. It transforms us. So we never graduate from the gospel. We never graduate. It's something that is living and breathing inside of us. And we've got to keep coming back to the good news of Christ the King. That he died on a cross. He was crucified for us. He was resurrected from death into life. And he lives and rules and reigns forever. May we continue to believe. John paints this picture for us that we may continue to believe. And one of the key ways he does this, apart from the eyewitnesses, apart from the personal, personal testimony that Jesus says about himself, outside of those I am statements are these amazing seven signs. These seven signs. There are seven signs, seven miracles that John talks about in this gospel. In fact, six of them are not included in the other synoptics. 
So what are those signs? John chapter 2, he turns water into wine. We're going to read five of them this week. As we go through our journals, pay attention. You're going to see in the first six chapters, we're going to see come across five signs. He turns water into wine in John chapter 2. Uh, the healing of the official son in John chapter 4. Of the paralytic in John chapter 5. Feeding the 5,000 in John chapter 6. That he walks on water in John chapter 6. Next week, there's a man born blind in John chapter 9. And also, he raises Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. What is the point of a sign? Why does John talk about these signs, these amazing seven signs? Why? What does a sign do? It displays and it directs. That's what it's, he's, John is trying to tell us something, that, that Jesus is not just, just some sort of ordinary dude. He is God. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He has come. He is God clothed with human skin and flesh. And he is come into the world that we may believe in him and have eternal life. Not just believe that he did incredible things, but believe in him, trust in him, find refuge in him and hope in him and peace in him and eternal life in him. And so for John, he's painting this picture, pointing these signs us to, uh, to see Jesus. How many people have been to uh, Optus Stadium before. Optus Stadium. You've been to Optus Stadium. It's massive. It can have some 60,000 people. I remember the first time I went there, I'm like, how, where am I going? How do I find my seat? Which gate do I go through? Which level do I need to go, go on? Which section do I need to find? Which aisle? Which number? Oh my goodness, it's so confusing. I've got one seat out of 60,000 seats. How am I supposed to find it? Well, what do you do? You follow the signs, right? You follow the signs. The more signs that you come across that direct you in that, to, to your seat, the easier it is to find that seat. That's the purpose of a sign, to display, to tell us something, and to direct, to direct our attention, or our thoughts, or our feet on where we've got to go. If there was only one or two signs there, it might have been a little bit more tricky for me to find it. It would have taken a lot longer. But the fact that the signs were clear, somewhat clear, <laughs> people going everywhere looking for the, all their different seats. And, but the fact that I was able to easily follow the signs, oh, that's where I land myself. And so what John is doing here, he's trying to give us signs. He's trying to bear witness that Jesus is our Saviour, that He is our Messiah, not just, a, not just some sort of legend. He's not some sort of lunatic or liar. He's actually Lord. And He does all of this so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that He is the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, we might have eternal life. Are you picking up what I'm putting down this morning? Okay. So I want to, with the remaining time that I have, just go through a little bit of John chapter 1 together. Okay, now that we've painted the picture, this is important, because it sets us up, sets us up for the next few weeks. On a, uh, just go through a little bit of John chapter 1. And see what the Holy Spirit says. 
It really is quite an interesting, fascinating book. It's been said a number of times that the Gospel of John is, is where children can paddle, but elephants can swim. It's, it's, it's a Gospel that, that someone that is unsaved or newly saved can, can paddle in and can understand, but theologians still have so much room to immerse themselves in. Let's go from John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that. I know the New King James when a number of years ago, I just memorized that. The New King, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. It's all through the Word. That word translated means Logos, this divine utterance, this divine revelation that uh, was, was spoken. And so what John does here, even in these first five verses, is quite fascinating. If you read, uh, he also writes uh, the three epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, okay? 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, toward the end, and then Revelation, he's responsible for Revelation 2, right? So if you pick up and you read 1 John right? His epistle toward the end of the parodies between chapter 1 here. Check it out, it's really quite fascinating. What John is doing here is he's painting the picture that Jesus is eternal. In fact, he is, he is he's going back to Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember that? And the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered on the face of the waters. So in Genesis chapter 1, you have a direction right there. You see the Trinity. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. Darkness covered the face of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered on the face of the waters. So you see a reference to God and then the Spirit, but then God spoke. That's the word. God spoke, let there be light. So a reference to the Trinity in Genesis 1. Then we see John pick that up right here. And he says, in the beginning. So when John begins this letter, and he says, in the beginning, there are people in his audience that already know what he's talking about. That's in their mind. He's writing to both Jew and he's writing to Greek as well. In the beginning was the word, the word, that word logos. The Jewish people in that audience, they would have known this because they referred to God as the word of God as well. The Greeks with that word logos, to them, that, that word logos, that's where we get our word logic from. Sense, it makes sense, right? So when John says, in the beginning was the Word, or the Logos. He's appealing to the Greek audience, the Greek speakers, and they're like, oh, okay, we know. Oh, so that, that, that logic, that sense, the, 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 the spoken Word that brings power and sense and order. He's, in this very first verse, he, he is setting up this whole uh, uh, letter 
to incorporate everyone to listen in and potentially buy into the truth that he's presenting. Are you you coming with me so far? Okay, so um, he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God in the beginning. It's not just that um, Jesus was at the beginning, he was at the beginning of the beginning. John could have said in the beginning was God himself and that was Jesus. No, remember, he used this word Logos to pull in an audience and he's saying that this Logos with a capital W, it'll say capital W in your Bible, not a little W, a capital W in your Bible, he was there present in the beginning of the beginning. And then it says, not just that he's eternal, but that, and the word was with God, not just in God, he was with God, which means this word, this person, is in harmony with God. He's in harmony. Some, commentator have, some commentators use this word that refers to like an intercourse, an interpenetration. There is a, a, a very deep intimacy, a very deep harmony between God and the Word in the beginning. So John is saying, in the beginning, right at the beginning, there was the Word and he was with God, in harmony with God, and he was God himself. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses will try to um, differentiate here and they will interpret this saying, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was a God. Have you heard that before? That's, that, that's incorrect translation. Not that it, Jesus was some sort of lesser God. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Chosen One, was God. He was in the beginning. Um, and it says this, all things were made through Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We we, we call this uh, dualism, right? Light and darkness. We see it come up again, life and death. We see this. Um, This word life, by the way, when it says in him was life, that word is not... um, bios, which is physical life. It's, it's what we call zoe, which is spiritual life. So what he's saying, in the Word, in Jesus, in the Anointed One, in the Messiah, there is zoe, life, spiritual life. And from that comes light. You'll see these words, life and light and love, pop up throughout John's Gospel as well. When you're going through the next few weeks, highlight them and underline them. You'll have markings all through your Bible or your journals. It's really amazing. Um, Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, which Colossians 1, and then we're going to go to Hebrews 1. So we've gone from John 1 to Colossians 1 next. And Paul writes something very similar here. We're going to go from Colossians 1 verse 15, talking about Jesus. Okay, this is what Paul says. He is the image of the invisible 
God, the firstborn of all creation. It doesn't just mean that he was born first, it means he is preeminent. He is through, through whom all things were created through him. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. In Jesus, in Christ, in Messiah, in the Holy One, all things hold together. I did physics um, when I did engineering at university. I've got a fascination with it. And there's, there's an old school principle called the Colossians principle. The Colossians principle. And what that principle establishes is that as you get lower, uh, 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 as you get smaller when it comes to particles and atoms and neurons and photons and you know, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. They still find that there are, there are infinitesimally small bits of matter that are just still hovering around each other, staying together, and they can't explain it. They don't know what it is that's holding these things together. So scientists some time ago coined the term the Colossians Principle because they say, well, the Bible says that he holds it together he holds things together Hebrews refers to this as well we're going to go there in a second but it's all about Jesus Jesus is ahead of us and he knows what's going on perhaps that's a word for someone here that maybe he's holding you together maybe he's holding your situation together maybe he's 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 holding uh, all that's going on around your world right now and you're like I don't know what is going on well have trust in him because he holds all things together. Let's go to Hebrews. Is Hebrews in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Just asking for a friend. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, it says in Hebrews 1, God spoke. He spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Verse 3, important. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus right now, he's, he's at rest, baby. He's chilling out. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's done what he needs to do. And uh, if you ever want a revelation of, uh, of God's rest, he's at rest right now. So rest in him at the right hand of the Father. Just enjoy that. As busy as your life becomes, as tricky as it is, with all the tribulation, all the trauma, all the trials that you're experiencing, just remember, Jesus is cool, calm and collected. He's done all he needed to do and he is seated at the plate of, at the, in the place of honour right now, at the right hand, the, hand of, the side of favour of his Father. He's at the right hand of the Father and he's seated. He's not worried. He's chilled. 
He's not anxious. He's relaxed. So let's find our rest and our refuge in him. God bless you. So we go back to John chapter 1. In verse 14 it says this. Okay, so we're going to go down a few verses from John chapter 5 to John chapter 14. And then we're going to pray in just a few moments. It says, And the word and the logos as this utterance, this... um, this divine utterance, this divine revelation became flesh and the word became flesh and he dwelt and we have seen his glory. So he's, John now is an eyewitness, right? He's saying, we've seen, we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness, talking about uh, John the Baptist, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16 says this though, for from his fullness, whose fullness are we talking about here? The word, talking about Jesus, for from the fullness of Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace. That means that from the fullness of Christ, we have all received this. We have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus has made him known. So what's he saying? No one's actually directly seen God in heaven, his Father, but by seeing the Son, you have seen him. If you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. This whole gospel of John is not just about signs and wonders. It's not just about eyewitnesses. It's an argument. It's a passage to help us meet and encounter Jesus. There were Pharisees. We can read later. um, Jesus has a crack at the Pharisees. And he goes, you guys, I'm paraphrasing Josh's New World Translation. You guys are absolute muppets. You know the scriptures, but you forget, you miss that all of the scriptures are actually talking about me. That's what Jesus says. It is absolutely possible for us to know the Bible and miss Jesus. Did you know that? I don't want to come to a church service and not encounter Jesus. It's possible. I don't want to pray and not encounter Jesus because that's possible. I don't want to read my Bible every day and miss Jesus because it's possible to miss him. I don't want to do good to the poor and miss Jesus in that moment because that's very possible. You can do all the right things and make all the right noises, do all the right movements and still not encounter Jesus. I'm here to tell you folks, I was a kid and a teenager that went to church and I still didn't encounter Jesus. So John creates this incredible composition, this incredible letter for us to read. And he's saying this. Jesus, the Word, He's eternal. He's in harmony with God. 
and he is God. He is the Messiah. And I want you to let the, John saying this, I want you to let the Holy Spirit show you. Gospel of John, theologians say, has um, what we call a high Christology, right? Talks very much about the divinity of Jesus Christ and a high pneumatology, pneumatology about the Holy Spirit. So elevates the work and person of the Holy Spirit. So as you read, pay attention to the Holy Spirit and see how he reveals Jesus to you because you cannot know the Father without the Son. There is no way to the Father except through the Son. You cannot know God through rubbing a Buddha statue's belly. You can't do it, I'm sorry to tell you. You can't know God the Father by, uh, by praying in a direction to Mecca so many times a day. That's not how you know God. You cannot know God by putting all your money from your bank into the offerings and that means that you know God. No, I'm sorry to tell you, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't cut the mustard. You can fast all you want. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to know God. It's, it's a, th- th- these may be helpful things for you. The only way to know God is through the Son. There is no way to the Father except through Jesus. That's John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, not a way, the way, the only way. So in a sense, that gospel, that message is actually quite exclusive. Yes, yes, we're living in a very universalist world. And what works for you, works for you. And, and, and I'll tell you what, yeah, we'll all eventually end up in heaven and we'll all eventually know God. No, that's not what the gospel says. There is no way to the Father except through Jesus. And my submission to your family is the next few weeks, consider this. Who is Jesus to you? Not who is Jesus to John. Not who is Jesus to the pastor. Not who is Jesus to your spouse. Not who is Jesus to your children or your parents or your colleagues. Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that I am, Peter? Don't worry about what the, no, no, who who did they say I'm? Who do you say that I am? And that revelation, you need God to help you with because only God can reveal God. If Jesus is the only way to the Father, the only way to encounter Jesus is by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, the precious, powerful, person of the Holy Spirit. Check out John 14 and, 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 and move forward a couple of chapters and you will see John just doesn't just talk about the Holy Spirit being a force. He is a person. He will guide you. He will comfort you. He is your paracletos, your advocate, your counselor. It's him. It's a he. He's a person. Just like the Father is a person, the Son is a person, and the Holy Spirit is a person. And so we call that an incredible Trinitarian relationship, a Trinitarian rhythm that passes through John's Gospel. They all work together so wonderfully, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They are distinct, but they are not separated. They are one. As you read... And consider, um, be it the I am statements, or the signs, the miracles, 
don't just think of them as stories from a couple of thousand years ago that are convincing you of something that happened. Let the Holy Spirit show you that that, that can happen in you. That, that can happen today. I look across this room and I see, I see examples of stories that like signs can be included in a gospel like John. How many of us have encountered the miracles of God, the signs of God, and your story can be included in a gospel like this? Like the Acts is still being written in a sense. Do you know that? The Acts of the Apostle, all those signs and wonders, those miracles are still happening today. And I want to submit to your friends and family, why not in you? Why don't we continue to believe and see those miracles and signs happen in our lives? What about me? When I read this, hey Lord, you did that for them? What about for me? You turn water into wine? You can do that? Those creative miracles? That's nuts! You, you multiplied food to feed 5,000 plus that is nuts. Lord, I want to see that. I want to see that. That I would believe in who He is and what He can still do today. Can we pray into it just now? Comfortable? Would you stand up with me? We're going to finish the service. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to stir us up in faith. And as we do, this is what I want us to consider. Where is there doubt in your heart? Where is there fear in your soul? Where is there lack? Where is there confusion? Where is there anxiety? Is there space for us to believe again? To believe again. To believe again. Maybe you're standing next to a mountain that is so large. And you've been standing next to that mountain for so long that you've forgotten that it's actually there and it's, you've become accustomed to its shadow. I'm here to tell you, friends, we serve a God and believe in a God that can move that mountain and be thrown into the sea, as it says in Mark's Gospel. Let's believe again. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate us, not just in the coming weeks, but even right now. Lord, we bring to you right now these mountains that may be there, situations at work, situations at home with our children or with our parents or with our spouse or situations with our finances, situations with our health, situations with addiction. Father, we look to you and to your Son, to your Word, to your Logos, we don't just want to read about the Logos from a page. 
We want to live and breathe and experience the Logos as our Lord personally. And Lord, we just choose to believe again, to trust again. And right now for all of the, all of the situations that are in this room as we're bringing before the throne room of grace, we ask for life. We speak life. We declare life and life evermore. Zoe life as well as bios life. We thank you. Physical and spiritual life in Jesus' name. Life in our bones. Life in our souls. Life in our relationships. Life in our emotions. Life in our mindsets. We speak shalom and we say thank you. Thank you for bringing us to this very point, but we thank you for more signs to be outworked in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.